Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and let me introduce you to who's joining me today. So we've got football correspondent, Chris Williams, you're back. Chris, we're glad to have you back. Missed you last week, but we did appreciate you sending in a question about your fantasy football. Oh, thank you. It's good to be back. Um, and obviously, I had a wonderful stand-in, um, James, who hopefully will be on a lot more often because he's tremendous as his knowledge. I'm obviously a commentator. So, yeah, it's nice to be back, though. And thanks for answering my question. Unfortunately, um, because I was so busy, I didn't get to sort my fantasy team out. And I had a shocking weekend, fantasy-wise. So, uh, apart from that, Bryce, apart from having a terrible weekend, I'm all good. Well, the things can only get better, Chris. And uh, yeah, I did notice your fantasy football team because I was looking at mine. But uh, anyway, joining Chris and myself, as always, is football grad creator Manu Veth. Manu, how have you been? I'm good. I'm very busy. This is my first 48, last 48 hours of uh, the summer transfer window shutting, uh, working for Transfermarkt. So um, it's a lot crazier than I even imagined. So I can't wait for it. To finally close the window shutting down tomorrow, um, I believe it's 11 p.m. BST. Um, and then I think my life will be much easier to handle. And just like Chris, I also forgot about uh, my fantasy team. So I don't even want to look at the score. Um, I, you probably have, Bryce. You probably know my score better than I do. Yes, I do. But I'll not bore everyone with that. But all I'll say is that out of the three of us, I'm slightly ahead. But anyway, um, enough about that. You had to bring that in there, right? You had to mention that. Well, you know, you brought it up, I suppose. But um, I'm not going to talk about it too long because if you go into our gig and pressing group, we're still, the three of us, not doing very well. So anyway, let's get to real football, I suppose, uh, and talk about uh, the match day that we've just had, a rather exciting match day three. And it started off on Friday night with Union Berlin beating Mainz 4-0. That's right, it was half-time 1-0. And then Union continued their riot uh, with their rather riotous fans uh, in the ground. Um yeah, Chris, um, it, obviously we've talked a little bit about uh, you having the fans back in the stadiums and very much um, at Onion, it, it, it's a big part of their game, their atmosphere and um, it obviously made a big difference as well when it came to the football on display with a very convincing 4-0 victory. Yeah, tremendous um, match day for Union Berlin and yeah, you're quite right, the, the fans make 
that whole ground really and it was nice to see them back um and it looked it looked quite full now I know it was only the capacity allowed but even then we've all been there it's a very tight stadium so even with not that many people in it 4,000 or so um it still looked full but yeah it was it was a wonderful game and I think it highlighted everything bad that's going on at Mainz at the moment um but Union wise yeah tremendous for them and I just couldn't believe re-watching this match how quickly the goals um, started to rein in midway through the second half. I mean, they were comfortable in the first half, I thought. But after half-time, um, there was just an almost collapse. Um, yeah, it was it was something very strange to watch. But um, Union Berlin surprised a lot of people last season. I'm going to say they didn't surprise us because I think we knew the power of the fans there. And we saw that again today. I, I would quite happily say again that I think Union Berlin will stay in this um, division again. I, I've got them down as a bit of Freiburg myself, a, a team that will punch above their weight for a few seasons to come. Yeah, it's definitely a, a result like that is uh, looking good for uh, Onion, isn't it? And uh, Manu, less good for Mainz. Um, obviously, we talked uh, last week um, about their managerial sacking and um, it, it, things didn't look to have improved at all. There was no no uh, a bounce effect after Bierlotzer uh, leaving uh, Mainz, was there? No, I think um, new manager um, Jan Moritz Lichte um, he, he did what he could with this team but when you look at this result I think Mainz were in other shambles, a shambles. Um, on your own Berlin played really well and I think this I, I'm 100% with Chris this is this is a team that's going to be in the Bundesliga long term as they should the, the German capital should have two Bundesliga sides that um, that do well but yeah I, I think Mainz I, I'm, I'd be really worried at this point because um, it's just seems to be also a little bit of a quality problem you know not just a managerial problem but also a quality problem and you really wonder what they can do with just you know we were recording this podcast at um at um on saturday sunday night and it's less than 24 hours left on the on the transfer window until it shuts and you wonder what they can do to really add some quality to this team because I I personally feel that the quality right now is not enough for them to stay in the Bundesliga. Yeah, really not looking very good for Mainz at all at the moment. Uh, just to go back to Onion though, uh, Chris, uh, to fill you in, I suppose, on the question that you sent in, I said uh, Max Kruse would possibly be a good player to bring in. I said he hadn't started yet, but you know it, it was only a matter of time. And then he was going to be coming up against Mainz and then Schalke. And, well, what do you know? He managed to score. So, um, Chris, um, a, a little bit about Max Kruse. I suppose we talked about him you know, when they made the signing in the summer, but... But uh, it's another very good addition to a side that, um, as we said, you know, should be in the Bundesliga for a few years. Yeah, so Union Berlin's recruitment has been quite good over the last couple of seasons. Um, last season, when it was their debut season, and they signed um, Nevin Subotic, I thought that was exactly the type of signing they needed to shore up that back line, um, which did. And they became a very hard team to beat in the end, especially at home. The addition of Max Kruse is a Bundesliga-proven goalscorer, um, who knows the league very well and can help all of those around him um, that are either new to the league coming in or are new um, to the um, to the system, new to Union coming through from their academy or coming through from, from other sides who are Bundesliga proven. But a man like Kruse 
is able to lead that and show that and can show, look, this is what you do, this is how you do it, you can get the team going. Um, and obviously he does that because he scores the first goal. And I think um, he, had a, he had a really good game from when he was on the pitch. And yeah, it's another instance of their um, of their ability to recruit well. I know they've brought in um, Carrius as well, who has had a bit of a shocker um, when he was in England. Wasn't too bad um, in Turkey, but he's German. Obviously, his girlfriend lives in Berlin as well. Um, so that's the sort of signing which will help improve that dressing room and help improve that squad. And no matter what you think of Loris Karius, um, before he left Mainz, he was the second best goalkeeper in the Bundesliga um, and he has played in some big games. He's, I know he had a really bad time, but he's played in Champions League finals. So he's got the ability and the experience to get to the very top level in competition. So that can only help. Um, and the addition of him and Max Kruser especially... Um, I think will will help the side tremendously, um, and it was it was a real good performance by them from front to back, and they've got some some great players. I know um, I highlighted Trimmel last year, the captain. Um, I think he's a phenomenal player, and once again, I think he leads from the front as well. Um, and Union is just an exciting team to watch at the moment, and I I really like watching them. And this was another example of that. The captain tonight celebrating his two hundredth game for Union, and he's worked it well here. Great cross to the back post, and it's the opening goal. And why any better textbooks for this? Great finish. Right, let's move on. We've got plenty to talk about uh, this weekend, a, a rather busy one. Let's move on to RB Leipzig, who won the late kickoff game 4-0 against Schalke. Yeah, so Schalke, we talked last week about how David Wagner lost his job as well, and they've replaced him, um, a man that uh, Manu, I believe, mentioned uh, on the pod last week, and that is Manuel Baum, and his assistant will be former centre-back Naldo. I think they could have done with Naldo on the field on this occasion, Manu. Uh, things looking as woeful as they have done before this. I know that they've only had a week to maybe, or even less, to work with the team, but things still looking rather shocking there. Yeah, I, it looked like two div- different divisions, you know, clubs from two different divisions playing against each other. It's, um, I mean, the, the joke ahead of this match day was that um, Manuel Baum famously tipped Schalke to finish 15th, right, in the Bundesliga. And this was before he took the job. And I think he has a lot of work to do to actually ensure that that Schalke actually going to finish in that position. I think it's it's going to be a really tough ask for them. And yeah, this was this was not pretty. I mean, watching this game, this could have been easily more goals. Schalke were nowhere near challenging this Leipzig side. And a Leipzig side that started the game without a natural striker, right? They played Emil Forsberg up front and uh, together with Omo. And uh, it's it was not, you know, it wasn't really a team geared towards, um, you know, not like Bayern with a natural number nine who smashed eight past them. And yet Schalke still did whatever they, Leipzig still did whatever they wanted to do with the Schalke team. So I think Schalke are in real trouble. Um, in tremendous trouble actually and it's going to be really interesting to see if they're going to do something if they can do something with the window closing I know Ozan Kabak is a player that's in high demand um, Liverpool have been looking at him I know there's a couple of other clubs that are also looking at him maybe they're going to sell him and see if they can bring in someone else um, add to the trouble Ralf Fehrmann their goalkeeper got injured at halftime I think we can we could probably do an entire podcast just about Schalke's goalkeeper goalkeepers and everything that happened with them 
over the last 18 months because Fairman is now injured. Uh, Renault, who designed from Eintracht Frankfurt, and Eintracht Frankfurt was back up at Eintracht Frankfurt, started this game in the second half. It's it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And, um, you know, as good as Leipzig were, um, Schalke, I, I fear for them. I think this is a team that could maybe go down. Yeah, Chris, um, I, I suppose if, if we talk a little bit more about Schalke, it's um, it's continued to be bad for them, hasn't it? And um, Baum had obviously said that he thinks that they should be sitting in 15th. Manu saying that he reckons that they could possibly go down. I mean, do, do you follow Manu with, with that prediction? I do. I know we're only early into the season, but Schalke are displaying everything um, that could possibly go wrong with a side that does go that does go wrong. Um, they are horrendous, like real horrendous from front to back. Um, they can't score a goal for love and money, and they can't defend a goal for love and money. There's no shape. There's no system. Um, they looked to be pressing at different times. It, I know. And Baum's come in and let's give him a couple of weeks to see if he can sort it out. But as it stands under David Wagner and the way they were playing and certainly the way they played against Leipzig, um, there's no system there. So you look at Bayern, you look at Dortmund, even look at sides like Freiburg and Union Berlin, there's a system in place. When one presses, they press as a three and then the defence come up slightly or they drop as a team or they drop as a bank four or they shut the, the space in between the lines in the half spaces. Schalke don't have any of that. They just seem to be 11 players doing whatever they want and it doesn't work. And this game, um, as bad as it was for Schalke, I think they were quite lucky in the end that it wasn't more because it could have been eight or nine um, and it was only four. Bayern, when they beat them, that could have been 12, 13. Um, against Werder Bremen on the last match day, that could have been seven or eight. This is a side who looked like they're not um, in any stretch or form going to be able to salvage this. And I look back and they remind me of Darmstadt, who were terrible. They remind me of that Hanover side, I think it was 18-19, um, which were horrendous. Um, and there's no, there's no such thing in football as too big to go down. I think we've seen that with Hamburg. It's just things like Angelino scoring a header. I mean, no disrespect to Angelino, but he's about three foot two. How's he? How's he winning a diving header in the box? There's, there's, there's just so many problems at Schalke. We could do um, a podcast, but my main fear for them is that they've just as many problems off the pitch as they have on the pitch. And we've seen in the past when teams have problems off the pitch, it translates to problems on the pitch. Um, and Schalke is front to back one right royal blue mess. Yeah, definitely uh, not looking good um, in Schalke whatsoever. And yeah, good man, Angelino, you know, for scoring that header because he is in my fantasy football team. See, we're going back to it again. Anyway, um, let's talk about RB Leipzig uh, a little bit. Um, Manu, they're sitting at the top of the pile. They've got seven points. They've got two wins and one draw um, as the season uh, has begun, with, as we go into an international break. Uh, things are looking good for RB at the moment. And as you, as you mentioned, they didn't have a, an out-and-out striker on there. They, they still got the job done. Yes, Schalke wasn't the best of opponents maybe to put them to the test, but yeah, th- things have started well. Yeah, I would say so. And I, I think in Alexander Serlot, it's only going to be a time for him to do the job up front. Um, Chris, and, Chris and I covered this transfer um, on different outlets really closely and watching the things that he's done for the Norwegian national team. He's a, he's a very similar player to Erling Haaland in many respects. And yeah, I think... 
they signed a wonderful player in him and once he gets going i think this leipzig side is going to be very scary and when i when i when i read today that um they're still in to possibly sign milot rashika from werder bremen and they they have from my understanding um a deal in place to sign justin kluivert from uh, roma on a on a loan to buy deal as well that's that's scary because this is already a scary team and they they're adding more quality to um, a front line that even without an out-and-out striker um, <laughs> dominated Schalke at will. I mean, the only reason they didn't score more goals is because they were having too much fun um, passing the ball around in, in some regards, right? So you add a natural number nine to that, you add another attacking winger to that, and this the side is, is scary. And I, I think they, they haven't lost a beat, even though they lost Timo Werner to Chelsea. I think the side hasn't gotten any worse. Um, I, I think rather the opposite is the case because... They have a coach that has another year of experience under the belt now. And I personally think this could be the year that Leipzig will seriously challenge for the title. I mean, we saw parts of that already happening last year where they were top of the table, right, with four points ahead of Bayern at some point. But I think this is the year that they're actually going to do it. They're going to seriously challenge um, Bayern Munich for the title because I think they have the deepest of the top top three teams. They have the deepest squad and they have the least amount of turnover. We're going to talk about Bayern's transfer business in a little bit, right? So, yeah, this is a really, really good side. And I'm really looking forward to seeing um, Leipzig going forward in this season. I think they're going to play some very attractive football. Well, yeah, if we talk about uh, transfers a, a little bit um, more... Uh, Chris, let's let's talk about Werder Bremen. So they they managed to avoid relegation last year just with the skin of their teeth uh, in the in the playoff uh, final. That is, um, and then when we look at this season, they've just about managed to to beat uh, Armenian Bielefeld over the weekend. There was a late disallowed goal, but it seen them win one nil. Rashik is a player that seems to have been linked to many a clubs, and for forever really it seems uh, and so we're expecting him probably to leave um, you know, the, just before that transfer window shuts but David Klassen is now moving on as well it seems uh, I, I mean is it, are Werder Bremen doing themselves any favour by, by getting rid of these talented players? Mm, it's hard to keep a player if they don't want to be there um, so Rashika has been off um, he's been wanting to leave I think the rumblings of that started just before lockdown. So he's he was evidently off at some point. Whether he gets that move or not is is now up in the air because Leipzig would have favourites. Um, that's obviously not happened. And if it does happen, I'd be surprised. Um, and yeah, Klassen is one for me because a couple of times last season when I was lucky enough to go to Werder Bremen and watch them live, um, Klassen was real good in that um, central area. Um, on the left-hand side of the midfield, and I, I think they're going to miss him. He's a he's a player who's played um, at different clubs at different levels and brings a lot of experience in. When you're hemorrhaging um, talent like that, I think it's I think it can be a problem for them, especially if you look towards their bench. Who can come in? Um, who can play that area that um, Klassen normally would occupy? Okay, they can sort of mix it up a bit by um, bringing Eggestein in and Chong and, and moving Bittencourt and um, Agostinson about if they had to. Um, but you don't want to be losing maybe your best particular player in that area. Um, it's going to be difficult for them. Should they keep them? Yeah, they should. But I think Werder Bremen, a, a club that are wise to the fact that these players want to leave. And sometimes as a club, you can't keep a player who wants to leave. Um, let's remember Davy Klassen is Ajax born and bred. 
Um, it'd be like someone offering a move to you and I to Liverpool or someone saying to Manu, would you like to go and play at 1860 Munich? Of course, they're going to say yes. Um, and there will be a part of the club not wanting to stand in his way for that. And of course, they'll receive a handsome fee as well, which will help the club in these uncertain times. So it's a win-win situation for that. Um, but on the field, it does leave them... Um... This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC+, Plus, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Lacking in certain areas. And yeah, you're quite right. They did just get past Arminia Bielefeld. But Bielefeld have been a good side, not just in this league since they come up, but also the, the Zweiter League below. Um, so it is a good victory for them, for a team that almost went down last season. So small building blocks of Florian Kofel. I'm sure that's how we look at it. Chris, I thought you were going to say it was like me getting an offer to play for Linfield. And I was going to say, well, I'd need to really think about that one. But yeah, Liverpool definitely would take that option. But um, Manu, just a very quick um, answer. Um, are Werder Bremen going to manage to stay up this year? We talked about Schalke going down. Do you reckon they're going to manage to stay in the division this year? Yes, because I think that Mainz, Bielefeld and Schalke are worse. That's the only reason why. As easy as that. The American dream uh, finally placed me the ball. Then, you know, it, it gets dangerous. And yeah, it was, uh, was uh, two nice goals. And that was Erling Haaland uh, speaking uh, post-game. A rather good performance this week after losing to Osberg last week. Uh, Borussia Dortmund have come back with four goals against uh, Freiburg. Haaland scoring two of those. Uh, probably the biggest topic, though, will be the three assists by Gio Reyna. Uh, Manu, what a talent this kid seems to be. He's um, he started the season in the first 11 and it, it looks like nobody's going to dislodge him. That three fantastic assists. Yeah, he's a generational talent. Um, I think we can already say that he's probably the biggest talent the United States has ever produced. And um, this, this, I don't, I don't mean this flippantly. I'm, I mean, quite honest and quite frank about this. I think he's... He's probably one of the greatest talents of his age group period around the world. And uh, he's, you have to remember he's only 17. But what stands out for me is his, he's, he's quite strong. You know, he's, he's a tall player, but he's um, very gifted on, on the ball and very multidimensional. And I think this sets him apart a little bit from Christian Pulisic, who is more of a wing player, right? Who also has a ton of, a ton of ability, but I think is, is not quite as multidimensional as Reyna. And, um, to have that ability to play in that number 10 role. And that's where I see him. And you saw it on, on that match day, that ability to play that final pass, the, the understanding that he already displays as a 17-year-old. Um, the fact that someone like Erling Haaland calls him the American American dream. And he, I think he means that in the sense that it's a dream for him to play with because he just gets that perfect pass. And we have to remember they played this game without Jaden Sancho, who was, um, who was out sick with an, an infection. It's not COVID-19. He is uh, tested negative for that, but he's sick out with an infection together with Roman Burki, the goalkeeper, right? And yet they still um, had so much depth in attack. And 
Yeah, I think I I think Gio Reyna, um, and I, I I mean I got that feedback from Borussia Dortmund when I was there last year, and I spoke to some people at the, the training center in Brackel, and they were saying that they were so so happy at the time to get him because they thought he was the biggest talent in his age group. He is um, one to watch. I think in five, six, seven years, we're going to talk about him as maybe one of the best number 10s in the world. And um, I mean this. I, I truly do. Uh, his This performance was remarkable. And we've seen it, right? It's been coming. Because like ever since he's been in, in Dortmund's first squad, it's been coming. Every time he's on the field, he makes a difference. And he's getting more and more minutes and more and more responsibility. He just grows with it. And uh, it's it's a wonderful thing to see. So... Yeah, fantastic performance. Yeah, very impressive. Uh, Dortmund, they do seem to like to bring the youngsters through and he's just a, another one and quite the talent. Uh, Chris, uh, as I mentioned last week, it didn't go so well for Dortmund, um, a 2-0 loss and this was the perfect response, wasn't it? 4-0 and they're going to be happy going into the international break. Yes, I think they will be happy. Uh, Lucien Favre said he wanted a response, not just from the um, game against Augsburg, but also the game against Bayern in the Super Cup. I think he got that response. Will they be happy? I think they will be happy. But as we've said before, and as Manu and I will probably continue to say until we're blue in the face, um, Dortmund make mistakes when Bayern slip up. And unfortunately, that is still their undoing. So while they'll be happy, I think they'll be really disappointed they didn't play like this against Augsburg and, and get the points when it was really, really needed. But it's always good to bounce back. Loads of positives in this game. I thought um let's start with the let's start with the fact that there was no Berkey and no Sancho. I was quite worried for Dortmund before um the game when I heard that. I was thinking where was the uh, where's the inspiration gonna come from in at the for the forward areas and Okay, Thomas Hitz has been all right, but I actually thought he had a really good game. And now it's taken a claim for me that perhaps he should be above the pecking order for Berkey. So I would go with that. Uh, no Jaden Sancho. Some other people had to step up. Royce did it for a bit. Uh, Bellingham, Giovanni Rayner, of course. Haaland looks exceptional. So, yeah, there's tons of positives. But Dortmund need um, to be in this situation every single match day if they want to beat Bayern because Bayern are that good. And I undoubtedly um, know that at some point in the near future after the international break, we will be talking about how Dortmund failed to take advantage against a so-called lesser side, um, in inverted commas. A good result against Freiburg, who always seemed to struggle in Dortmund. Yeah, very good result, and that's exactly what Lucien Favre would have wanted going into the international break. They will be facing Hoffenheim next. That will be a tricky one for them. So, uh, speaking of uh, bouncing back, let's talk about Champions Bayern Munich. So, on Sunday, I must say, Manu, when I watched uh, Wolfsburg versus Augsburg, I thought, this has been a pretty good game. Unfortunately, it didn't have any goals, though. Then, when you watch the Bayern game... It was a pretty damn good game and it had lots of goals in it. So we had 4-3, 1-0 at halftime. That was uh, Lewandowski getting his 100th Allianz Arena goal. And then he kept on scoring. Uh, though Hertha did make it rather challenging, didn't they? It was kind of a back and forth uh, slugfest, which seen a penalty right at the end, uh, giving the champions the three points. Manu, what a game. Yeah, what a game indeed. I, I watched this game with my father-in-law who doesn't watch very much football at all. He's more of a hockey guy and he's like, this is a really good game. And who's this Lewandowski guy? He seems pretty good. And I just said to him, well, look, he's probably the best striker in the world. Um, welcome to soccer, right? What, what an introduction. But yeah, he was he was phenomenal. Um, I, mean, I think there isn't many players in the world right now that have 
his form. Um, I think he rightfully was awarded the, the UEFA Player of the Year award. I think, um, again, um, he sh probably should have won the Ballon d'Or. Um, if the French hadn't cancelled it, I think he, he would have been very deserving of that of that award as well because I, I think he's just fantastic. Um, as for this game, yeah, beautiful. I think that's exactly what we need. And I think the Bundesliga needs those games too. I think it just shows that if you have a positive game plan, and I thought Hertha had a very positive game plan, they went into this game saying, okay, look, we can get three points here. And even when they went down two goals, um, most teams would have just would have just given up, pulled a Schalke, right, and lost 6-7-0. And they just kept playing positive football. And um, I really like the, the fact that when this, when, when uh, Hertha made it 2-1, Labbadia actually brought on a third striker. And how many coaches do you see in the Bundesliga that actually have the guts to do this, right? And I think we just need a little bit more of that. Yeah, in the end of the day, Hertha lost 4-3. And it was really came down to that... Um, penalty decision in the last second and it was a right it was a penalty 100 percent um the referee team got the spot on but i think that hertha um you know this is the sort of this is what we want to see day in and day out in the bundesliga we want teams like hertha to go to munich and say look we can actually get something here if we play a god's positive team plan if we challenge their high line if we make the most of the fact that they have you know game after game after game um, because Bayern Munich schedule, um, James mentioned it last week, it's 57 games in 250 um, days, right? The, the schedule is really tight and to make the most out of it. And I think this is what we want. Everyone who watches the Bundesliga wants to see this. I think we're all okay with Bayern Munich winning the title again. But we want Bayern Munich to have win the title the hard way. We want them to maybe secure the title on the last day with one point. Um, you know, we want other Bundesliga sides to challenge them, to give teams like Borussia Dortmund or Leipzig the opportunity to maybe be first place rather than second or third um, of course at the end of the day those two teams have to get the job done themselves but yeah this was a wonderful display of football and it was you know maybe two games um, aside that happened in England uh, we won't talk too much about the one um, it was probably the best game of best game of the weekend I would say Oh yeah, well, there, there's a certain game it was definitely better for us watching. I'll tell you that much, anyway, Manny. But um, yeah, just to, to talk a, a little bit more on uh, Chris Richards, um, he seems like um, yeah, a fantastic young talent. Um, you know, he, he played a right back and like, he slotted slotted in just fine. In fact, he had an assist, but then the goal was uh, ruled out. Yeah, but he got an assist later on, so uh, it was all okay, right? So he actually ended up his first. Um start in the Bundesliga he actually ended up getting his first assist I thought he was great um, I, I thought he did everything what he asked for you know he's he the right back role by that's usually um, occupied by Benjamin Pavard um, he uh, he interprets it a little bit more defensively um, and then the left side is a bit more attacking right and I think Chris Richards um, I see his future um, as a center back personally um, but I think until he gets there, and I think eventually Bayern probably see him to replace Boateng. Um, and until that happens, you know, he needs to get any game time possible. Um, I think this is, he's a wonderful talent. He is fantastic in the air. has a great first pass. His, his touch is, is very secure. Um, he's mature beyond his years already. And I, I think this is another fantastic talent, American talent. I mean, this US side has so many talented players playing for top sides and around the world right now that... Um, I, I can see this entire entire team doing really well um, in the next few years. I said on Twitter the other day, I think they could challenge for a World Cup eventually because they have so many talented players um, and he's a big part of that. So yeah, Chris Richards, I thought 
very good start. Um, very great debut uh, for Bayern Munich in the starting eleven. Well, Manu, just before we get to uh, our Twitter questions, um, <laughs> I, I think we probably have to go back to the WhatsApp that we were sending between each other. And I said, oh, my goodness, 2-2 uh, or it may have even been 3-3 three, three at that stage. And I said, and also Douglas Costa going back to Bayern. I said, what's going on? Yeah, it's a mad scramble right now for Hasan Salihamidzic. Um, they wanted four new players right before the window shuts um, because the side is, is very thin. We spoke about this last week. I think there's only really 15 first-team players um, in the squad, which is just not enough. Um, and there's no doubt about it that this team needed depth. And, well, today they've added depth. Um, they, the Roca is confirmed. Mark Roca from, from Espanyol is confirmed that the transfer is done. Um, both Chris and I got the famous Bayern Munich email with the press release. So that's 100% done. Chupo Moting is in the final stages. They, they're going to do, they still need to do medical and um, sign the contract. Same is true for Douglas Costa. That deal is done. Medical still needs to be completed. That's scheduled for tomorrow. And then, guys, Buna Saar, um, no idea who he is. I'll be quite honest. Signed him from Olympic Marseille. I spoke to Thomas Farines, who knows a bit about French football, and he. He was a little confused about the signing because he believes that um, maybe Bayern Munich are signing someone who isn't quite up to that standard. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Very attacking minded. Um, seems like a cheaper version of uh, Lamte, the kid that they were linked to from Bournemouth and Sehino Desk, which is a deal that unfortunately fell apart, right? Um, which I personally still think is too bad. But yeah, some really odd signings, um, especially Douglas Costa, because I mean, Chris... You five cents on this. This is a signing that they already had. He was fantastic. This is what we started this podcast. He was actually playing for Bayern and, and then kind of didn't work out. They sold him off to Juventus and now he's back. Is this this is just an odd Callum Hudson or Doyle replacement, isn't it? Yeah, it's a strange one. I don't want to say Bayern of, of panic bought, but it's starting to get that sort of um, whiff of it. It's got that little smell. Um, obviously, it's not a panic buy as such because we're not in the closing hours of the window and they're obviously working on... Um, they're obviously working on Callum Hudson-Odoi first. I think we know that. News broke yesterday, as you said. Um, Chelsea want to keep their man. They've obviously spoken to Callum Hudson-Odoi and told him he's going to be a part of Lampard's plans. Be interesting to see if he goes back to being a bit part player on the bench again, um, which is what happened to him last time. Um, I personally would have thought he would have pushed for this move because he would have been guaranteed playing time. But yeah, they, they've gone back in for Douglas Costa. Um, yeah, it's, it seems a strange one, but... Bundesliga proven, knows how to win with Bayern, knows the team as such, knows the setup, um, comfortable with the language. Maybe it's a bit of an easy purchase, but yeah, we said they need a bit of squad depth. Um, I think they what what we saw today was what champions do. They get pushed on the back rope and they respond. Um, they were heavily destroyed by Hoffenheim. Um, could have been more. Had they been beaten today, then I think everyone's talking about a buying crisis. They had to win and they did that. Um, and they're going to strengthen. It's just now, have they got the right people? I, I do personally think that um, position, position wise, position for position wise, I think Dortmund just edge out um, Bayern on overall strength. Um, but I think Bayern have got some higher caliber individuals. Davies, for example, head and shoulders above anything um, that. And Dortmund can offer it in that particular position. Um, with Haaland, I think they've got a good Lewandowski equivalent. Um, so Bayern needs strength in other areas. And 
maybe that's what they're going for. But yeah, it's a strange one for me. But I think they've strengthened well overall on the window. I think if you're looking to give Bayern a score out of the window, I'd probably put them on eight, eight and a half at the minute. It's not bad. I would say that a lot of clubs would mind being rated eight and a half for their transfer business. But guys, uh, let's move on to the Twitter question. We've got a few, uh, a few really good ones as well uh, this week. Um, Manu, we're going to go to you for the first one. So Tim asks, you spoke about Brazo's handling of the desk situation on the pod. Do you feel like Brazo has a really long leash at Bayern or with the can regime underway, is everyone subject to review? I think everyone is subject to review under Oliver Kahn. Oliver Kahn is the most competitive person um, who you can imagine. He's he's a proven winner, and I think he's he's reviewing it for sure. He's going to look very closely on the sort of business that Bayern Munich have done and have done in the past. And yeah, Hassan Salihamidzic, like everyone at Bayern, is going to be under pressure. And I think they there were certain targets that they had in mind. Sechino Desk was one. Callum Hudson Odoi was another, and in the end of the day, they didn't get them right. And um, there has been a few um, transfer businesses that have been lengthy. Um, I mean, the, the, the CHO saga, Callum Hudson Odoi saga, now is going on for twenty-four months. You know, it's it's been a long time coming. So, I, I definitely do think um, I do think that he is under review for sure, like everyone at Bayern. Yeah, it's going to be interesting times ahead. Um, Chris, I'm going to go to you. There's a few questions here. It's going to be directed at Manu. So I'll, I'll take the Gio Reyna question and I'll fire your direction because uh, Manu already spoke about him earlier. But uh, Duncan here asks, uh, how many goal involvements do you expect Gio to have this season? It's quite a, uh, could be any number. What do you reckon is going to happen, Chris? Oh, Jesus, that's a, <laughs> that's a massive question. Um, what? 400? I don't know. No. Uh, seriously, what's a goal involvement? Because for me, um, a goal involvement isn't simply an assist. It can be a, a great off-the-ball run that opens the space for someone else to run into and, and tears the defence apart. That That's a goal involvement to me. It, it does the player um, work hard at achieving an end state, which is a goal. So if you're talking about pure assists, I think you know he started off very, very well um, and he can only get better at, or he can only... you know stay at the same level I wouldn't really want to put any any top level number on him but if he can get anywhere to what we've seen Sancho do in the last couple of seasons I think he's had a I think he's had a great season but I think it's important that he just carries on playing he's given the opportunity and he will have great games and he'll have poor games and when he does have a poor game people need to realize his age and his experience and counteract that that he's got the ability to have a great game I thought he was superb in this game against Freiburg. But I'm pretty sure at some point we'll speak in the future about how he made a few mistakes, how his positioning wasn't particularly good, how he fluffed a few of his passes. Could he have scored there? Could he have gone back? Should he have recycled? We'll have all these conversations because of his age. Um, I don't want to put any pressure on him. It looks like he's got a great um, season ahead of him. Let's just enjoy it for what they are. For all the Americans out there that are listening, I know we have a few, please do not put the pressure on this lad's shoulders that he did to Christian Pulisic because we all saw what happened there. I'm going to go 14, Chris. That's what I'm going to say, 14. Uh, anyway, yes, as the nature of football goes, you know, let's give him a little bit of time. Eh? Uh, 
So Manu uh, Mighty C says last week you Manu said Baum would fit to a small club. Now he has taken over at Schalke. Your opinion on that? We spoke a little bit about Schalke, but um, yeah, do do you think um, Schalke is too big a club for Baum? Oh, that's a very difficult question. I do. I was surprised by disappointment. I I thought I thought he was going to Mainz, and I do not mean small club does not equal bad. Um, this is the first thing I need to say. I meant small in stature, like Mainz, Freiburg, right? That that kind of size club, Augsburg. I do think that Schalke is going to be a very difficult challenge for him. Very difficult. It is something that can break a coaching personality. Um, you know, we, we saw what happened to Tedesco and where he's now. We saw what happened to David Wagner. He was one of the most promising German coaches out there, right? Or German-American coaches out there, I guess. So this is a really tough ask. Um, if he manages this, we'll probably speak about him very differently in the future. But um, I think it's it's going to be very difficult. Yes, indeed. Um, and then we're going to finish. Final question. We're going to talk a, a little bit about Chris Richards again. Uh, I'll open this up to, to either of you fellas. Maybe we'll go to, to Manu first um, based on today's game. Uh, but Matt says, uh, does Bayern see Richards as a backup at both right back and centre back this season? Or do they have a more specific role in mind for him? I think they're going to play him wherever he is, wherever they need him, right? I think he's very good at centre back and as right back. And we saw today that he fulfilled that right back role really well. I think when you're a young player um, and you're given minutes, like Davies, for example, um, played left back all year last year, even though we knew at the beginning that wasn't his natural position. So I, I think his role right now is just to fill holes um, as a squad, as a squad player. And yeah, Chris, would you say that you're Chris Richards, so you're with the competition in that team, do you think there's any room for anyone else to be able to squeeze in? I think it's going to be a long season and Bayern are in a number of competitions and Chris Richards will get his chance, but I don't think he starts um, routinely. I don't think he's subbed in routinely. I think he will be given a number of chances and if he takes them, good luck to him. If we remember, Alfonso Davies is probably one of the first names on a team sheet at Bayern at the minute. He wasn't originally. He was drip-fed in, and that did him the world of good. Um, the same for Chris Richards. Drip-feed him in, see how he gets on, give him his chance. Does he take it? And he'll get that chance because of the competitions, because of how quick and how fast the football is coming. Because we've got stupidly... Um, because we've got stupid games like we've got coming up at the minute which we don't need three international games um, in a week. We don't need that sort of thing. Players are going to get injured. It's a condensed season anyway. And the, but the beneficiaries of these ludicrous decisions by FIFA and the rest of the confederations is that players like Chris Richards will get the chance. Absolutely, yeah. I think you need squad depth more than ever with the uh, upcoming fixtures. They're going to come, as we said last week, thick and fast. Well, that more or less does it for the podcast today. Match day three is all over and we're going into an international break once again it seems like it was just upon us uh, coming up though we will have some exciting games um, but they won't be with us until the 17th and 18th of October so thanks for tuning in today I've been your host Bryce Dunn um, you can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11 uh, thank you for tuning in uh, we'll be in your ear again rather soon of Wiedersehen
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.